1: Every day, scientists are learning more and more about how human brains work and how many of us don't fit into the old-fashioned understanding of how brains should work. But a lot of ideas about parenting and familial relationships still need to catch up to the reality of human variation. Neurological differences are natural, profoundly valuable parts of being in a community together and in being part of a family. Whoever you are, wherever you are in your journey, I am here to explore with you. We are all in this together. Welcome to NeuroDiverging. Thanks so much for tuning in with me today. If you're new here, I'm Danielle Sullivan, and I'm your host. Neurodiverging is dedicated to helping neurodiverse folks find the resources we need to live better lives as individuals, and to further disability awareness and social justice efforts to improve all of our lives as part of the larger world community. If you're interested in learning more, you can hit the subscribe button to make sure you're notified when there's a new episode, and check out Neurodiverging on Patreon. I run the podcast and blog by myself so come be one of my first patrons and support this podcast. Speaking of Patreon, I want to give a warm thank you to Zach and David. Thank you so much, the two of you, for supporting this episode of NeuroDiverging. To start off today, I'm going to read you a list of seven statements, and while I read them, think to yourself whether they apply to you in your life or not. Ready? Number one, You have failed to recognize a close friend or family member, especially when you weren't expecting to see them. Number two, when you meet someone new, you try to remember their hairstyle or a distinctive feature rather than their face. Three, do you confuse characters in movies or on television more so than other people? Four, you have failed to recognize yourself in the mirror and or have difficulty identifying yourself in photographs. Five, when someone casually waves or says hello in the street, you more often than not don't know who they are. Number six, when someone gets a haircut, you may not recognize them when you see them again. And the last one, seven, you have difficulty recognizing neighbors, friends, coworkers, clients, schoolmates, etc., out of context. What did you think about those questions? If you recognize yourself in these seven statements, you might have prosopagnosia, also known as face blindness. The list above was compiled by the good folks at testmybrain.org with the help of the yahoo face blind group, so it is not a scientific measurement or a perfect self-diagnostic tool, but it was created by people who are face blind themselves, so it's a really good starter. Face blindness is very common in autistic folks and to some extent in ADHD folks. I myself am, quote, mildly face blind. In my case, I can recognize family and friends that I see often or have known for a really long time and or people that I've had a chance to purposely memorize, especially if they're in an environment where I usually see them. But if you're someone I'm not expecting to see in a place I don't usually see you, good luck to us both. So today, I'd like to talk a little bit about what face blindness is, what we know about it so far, other conditions that commonly co-occur with it that you may not necessarily notice if you're not looking for them, or that you may not realize are uncommon, and then I'd like to talk a little bit about my experience with face blindness myself and how it has affected me and how it kind of compounds some of my autistic traits in ways that you may not expect if you're not looking for them. So first, What is prosopagnosia? Prosopagnosia is an impairment in the ability to recognize the faces of people who should be familiar to you. It's not related to eyesight at all, to the physical structure of your eye or the nerves associated with it. Rather, it seems to be an issue in the way the brain processes visual information about a face. It's not that you don't know who someone is, it's that you can't reliably link their face to who they are. Face blindness is just one subtype of associative visual agnosia associative visual agnosia is the general term for an individual's inability to identify objects even though they can perceive them with their senses and have a general understanding in their head of what the object is so for example a person can see the car and knows what a car is but cannot correctly identify the object in front of them as the car so these issues are not due to a deficit in vision or language or memory or intelligence There are several kinds of subtypes of associative visual agnosia, so if you are dealing with face blindness, you might also be struggling with an inability to distinguish different colors, an inability to recognize multiple objects in a scene, an inability to process the spatial layout of an environment, including landmarks, difficulty recognizing buildings and places, difficulty building mental maps of a location. I have this in a mild sense. Once I've been to a place and specifically taken the time to memorize it, I will know it forever. But, if you bring me to a state park, a mall, or a new town, and I haven't had a chance to study a map of it ahead of time, I will get myself turned around and lost in five minutes flat. No matter what. Other things that are associated with face blindness sometimes are an inability to read, orientation agnosia, which is an inability to judge or determine the orientation of objects. I also have this one. My partner or my son have to pack the car for vacation because I cannot figure out how the suitcases fit in the trunk. And the last thing that you might also have, or that is sometimes associated with face blindness, is what's called pantomime agnosia. It's an inability to understand pantomimes or gestures. This is also super common in people who are autistic. Currently, an official diagnosis of face blindness is based on your performance on tests of face recognition and learning. To be honest, most of the people I know with face blindness, including myself, don't bother with an official diagnosis. Recognizing face blindness can help you create strategies to manage it in your personal life, but there isn't much benefit to an official diagnosis except for participating in research on face blindness, which is great if you wanna do it. If you are struggling with more than just face blindness, then it might be more worth it to pursue a professional diagnosis. It's definitely a personal decision. If you do pursue a diagnosis, you'll be shown pictures of faces and you have to say whether they're familiar to you or unfamiliar to you. One test includes famous faces that are well-known from popular culture that you have to try to differentiate from very similar but non-famous faces. A second common test has you memorize faces of people you don't know during the testing session, and then you try to pick them out from the crowd a couple of minutes later. These two tests are both available online for free if you'd like to test yourself. I'll put the links in the show notes. Everyone has trouble recognizing people occasionally, but prosopagnosia is a more serious and persistent issue. Typically, face blindness will cause some trouble in daily life, like trouble finding your friend in a crowd or following a character in a movie. I have so much trouble with this one, which is the reason I often prefer cartoons. Some people with more severe prosopagnosia can sometimes have other visual or memory concerns because faces aren't just about identifying people. Faces also have important information, like what emotion someone is feeling, what they're currently interested in based on what they're looking at or away from, if they're interested in further conversation with you, etc. With severe face blindness, people will often have trouble recognizing everyday objects too, like cars or pets. So how do you know if you or your autistic loved ones are dealing with face blindness? First, if you feel that you have a lot of trouble, persistent trouble, recognizing familiar faces in day-to-day life, then you might have face blindness. If you want to learn more about your face recognition ability, the first step might be to take an online test, like the Cambridge Face Memory Test. There's an online version that you can take, and I'll put the link in the description below, or you can just Google Cambridge face memory test and it should come up. I do wanna point out that there are some problems with current screenings. First, many of the test subjects, the people that you're looking at in the test are not real people. So it's okay to stare at them and memorize their specific facial features, which is what I did when taking this test. In real life, if if you stare at somebody for a long time, looking at the crook of their nose so that you can memorize them for later, they will freak out at you. It's not cool to stare at people in real life. On the tests, though, you can stare at somebody for a full two minutes and like minutely analyze their facial features. And so you may do better on a test than you would do in a real life situation with a real person. Additionally, in the screening, you only are focusing on the face. You're not also focusing on being like a socially capable person in real life. In real life, you're not just standing there with a person trying to recognize them. You're usually having a conversation with them. You're required to maintain eye contact, to understand gestures, to gesture yourself. All of these things take real energy for many autistic people. And uh, in the test, in the screening, you are not required to perform that way. You are literally just looking at a screen. And so you may have more trouble again in real life than you do on the screening. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch-ch-chumba. ChumbaCasino.com No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Third, these screen people are not moving. They're not changing environments, their hairstyles, their glasses frames, their clothing, any of that. So in my um, personal experience of face blindness. If you change your kind of glasses, even if I've known you for years, I will have trouble recognizing you. If you cut your hair, if you usually don't wear earrings, but now you are. If you're wearing colored contacts, if you've done something very significant with your eyebrows, I might not recognize you. And I often also have trouble in movies recognizing similar looking characters. Um, especially if they change outfits or um, hairstyles throughout the movie or makeup, type of makeup. If you usually wear a pink blush and you switch to a darker red blush, I might not recognize you. So these are issues that will come up in real life, in your real everyday going through the motions that won't come up in a face blindness screening. Because in the screen, you're just looking at one face in one environment. It's not shifting or changing in any way, and you are not performing at it. (laughs) So you're not using extra energy at it. So I do want to caution you that if you do um, do a face blindness screening, and it says, you know, you're fine, or you have maybe mild face blindness, if you are still feeling like you are having problems in everyday life, or that you're not recognizing folks that you feel like you should recognize, I would consider that you might still have some kind of level of face blindness maybe it's not severe right but um, it still exists and it still might be helpful for you to think through it and figure out if you need to be um, changing anything in your everyday approaches to kind of help support that and help you uh, recognize people better a lot of us do really focus on hairstyles types of clothing types of makeup jewelry and and the like just to memorize people Um, And so that can be really important. So basically, taking something like the Cambridge test is a really good start, and it's very useful for research, but it's not maybe totally accurate, okay? It's not necessarily a useful screening tool for the individual to self-diagnose. I think it is very useful for research purposes, especially for figuring out severe face blindness, but maybe not for the individual, So I want to also talk for a minute about my own experience with face blindness in case this helps anybody out there figure out if they're face blind. I can't recognize people out of context, but I can memorize photographs if I put some effort into it. So when I'm asked to envision a family member's face, it's honestly pretty blurry. Like I can think about their haircut or their skin tone or their Italian nose, but Usually I'm really thinking about a picture I've seen of them recently rather than a true memory of the individual person. I'm very good at remembering voices and I rely on voices very heavily in everyday life to identify who I'm talking to. Um, I very often recognize people once I hear them speak, but until a person has spoken, I probably don't know who they are. I know who my kids and my partner are. I see them every day. But when I think about, for example, my mother who lives an hour away and who I see very often, I'm really remembering a photograph of her. And in fact, I keep photographs of my family members around the house, many, many, many photographs over different years and with people's different hairstyles and different makeups, just so that I'm getting a variety of memories or, or, um, memorizations, I guess, of their faces. Um, If I did not have those photographs around at all, and you asked me to uh, tell you about what my sister looks like, I could give you her hair color and her eye color and her skin tone and some sort of very general um, characteristics, because those are things that are easy to memorize. But I know she has blue eyes, but I can't actually see her eyes in my head. I, I can't, thinking about it right now, coming up with her face doesn't, I kind of get a profile and maybe the length of her hair, but I can't really think of what her face looks like without looking at a photograph. Uh, Again, this doesn't mean I won't recognize my sister when I see her, but it will take a little bit more effort than I feel like it would for somebody else. Now, somebody that I only know from church that I is my partner's friend, but I don't see them that often is the mother of a, a child that my child goes to school with those folks i have a lot less likelihood of having memorized even anything about their face like my sister obviously is my sister i know what her eyes and her hair is like even if i can't envision it right now um i've memorized that she has blue eyes but kids friend from school's mom i have no idea like i unless i specifically had a long conversation with her, with her and specifically noticed something about her jewelry Her skin tone, her hair, I'm not going to be able to recognize her again. It doesn't mean I wasn't enjoying our conversation or I didn't enjoy meeting her, or it doesn't, it's not like the kind of thing where you just forget a stranger because you didn't care about them or they didn't impact you. She might have impacted me very strongly, um, but it just doesn't stick in my brain. It's just not something my brain can do. Unfortunately, because it would solve a lot of problems in my life, I'll tell you. So, There are some real life issues that come up um, with face blindness that I think are important to talk about. Because I think that because face blindness is so common in autistic people, to some degree, a lot of autistic people are at least mildly face blind. Uh, There's not so many of us who are severely face blind, but a lot of us are at least mildly face blind. And I honestly think that it contributes to a lot of the problems that we have socially in a way that maybe hasn't been recognized as widely as it could be. So for example, Like I said, I recognize people by their voices. It makes me really, really good at accents. Um, I can usually tell you where somebody's from roughly by listening to their voice because I have to pay attention to voices because I can't remember faces. However, because I'm thinking so hard about your voice, I'm even less likely to make eye contact when I initially meet you because if I don't memorize your voice right now, I will not recognize you the next time I see you. So it's another reason that I'm not making eye contact on top of the fact that many autistic people have trouble with eye contact to start with. I don't often have trouble with eye contact um, with people I'm familiar with, unless I'm very, very stressed out. That's just my personal experience. But um, if I'm learning a voice, then I'm not looking at your eyes. I'm hearing. I'm focusing on hearing. So another reason that face blindness can cause real life problems for autistic people is that it it's inhibiting our ability to create community. Um, for example, I used to teach, I couldn't recognize my students outside of the classroom. Um, I knew them in the classroom fine. I knew you know, 25, 30 names, just like I was meant to, and I recognized them as individuals, even if they sat in slightly different locations in the classroom. But if they left that classroom, I remember once a student came up to me in a train station and said hello, and it took me 10 minutes after he left to realize where he was from. And that was probably kind of embarrassing for him. He probably thought that I didn't, like, care about him or know who he was. But I knew, like, I could quote you from the papers he'd written. I do have a good memory. I just couldn't recognize him out of context. Um, And it was really difficult for both of us. And it definitely inhibited... Our, our relationship, uh, you know, in a way that I wasn't super happy about, and I know he was either. So not being able to recognize people outside of context causes people to think that you really don't care about them when actually I remember all sorts of things about them. This also comes up with me for neighbors. I have trouble recognizing my neighbors out of context. I've lived in the same house for 10 years. Neighbors come and go, but many of them have been on the cul-de-sac for just as long as I have. And if I see them in, in the cul-de-sac, I will recognize them. If I see them in the grocery store, I might recognize them. If I see them an hour away in another town, um, I will not recognize them because they're not where they're supposed to be. And my brain just doesn't want to accept that sometimes people are not where they're supposed to be. This means that my neighbors, who have sort of known me for 10 years... May or may not think that I care about them, because if I can't recognize them half the time, why should they think I care about them or know who they are or know anything about them? But again, I can tell you a lot of facts about them. And I remember fondly many conversations with them. I just don't have the the face just doesn't stick. And that's really unfortunate. Some things I have to do that also affect my real life are things like asking friends to schedule calls ahead of time. So that way I know who I'm talking to. This is especially um, common nowadays with Zoom being so prevalent. If somebody were to just Skype me or something, um, I might not recognize who they are. I, I, especially if I wasn't um, ready for it. And that can be a huge problem, even with friends who I've known for a really long time. And then the last two ways that I could immediately think of that face blindness affects my everyday life are, first, I already mentioned preferring TV shows or rewatching movies I've already seen to new media. Uh, Some of this is just comfort rewatching and some of this is just preferring things I'm familiar with. But some of it is also that I have legitimate trouble differentiating faces On television, cartoon characters, at least even if they look similar, if they're drawn in a similar style, they tend to have a a very um, dramatic profile, especially your main characters will have a, a cartoony profile that you just know from the silhouette without really having to do any more work. Real people, especially p- movie people, who are all made up to look the same, often have very similar haircuts. Often are a certain have a certain kind of look and a certain kind of Hollywood beauty style that is just the accepted body type and facial feature type um, of whatever country they're in or whatever time period they're in. They all look the same. They're they're chosen and cast to somewhat look the same. I do much better in real life with people who are. Who look like real people. Your body type, the asymmetry of your face, those are, are traits that can really help me identify you in real life. On TV, nobody is asymmetrical. <laughs> or if they are, they're made up to look like they aren't. It's very rare to see extremely fat people or average sized people on television. It's Less normal, though becoming, I hope, more normal, but still very rare that you see a wide range of skin tones on television. And so, those are again things that I can use in real life to identify you. But on TV, if everybody is a white guy with blonde hair and that kind of strong jawline, no, I have no chance. I have no chance. So, cartoons are where it's at. So, maybe a less important reason to support diversity in your media, but uh, a reason nonetheless. And then um, the last thing I just want to mention is that I I have a lot of social anxiety and social issues. I, I think that uh, I do pretty well masking and looking neurotypical for a period of time. But one of my major issues that's related to face blindness is that um, initially when I'm learning to talk to somebody new, I have a very slow processing overall in the beginning of the conversation while I figure out who you are. And then I have to sort of try to play catch up and prove myself to you for the rest of the conversation. Because the if, even if it takes me a whole two minutes to identify you and figure out, you know, in what context I usually see you, that's two minutes of time that you were probably pretty sure that I didn't know who you were. So then I have to spend the rest of the conversation sort of proving, no, I do know who you are. Here's six facts about you. <laughs> Not really, but a little bit. Here's evidence that I recognize you, that I care about you, that you're important to me. Um, Because the first two minutes of the conversation, I may not have been able to provide that context for you. And so you may have entered the conversation excited to see me. And if I didn't respond in kind because I didn't immediately recognize you, there's repair work that has to be done before I can gain back your trust. And to go into every single conversation starting out with less trust than existed before the conversation is really hard for an autistic person and really difficult because we're already working so hard to build neurotypical trust, um, to create neurotypical trust. And if you can't trust that I know who you are, I understand why that would be off-putting to you um, and I understand why it's a problem for you. But it also makes me have to work harder to prove every single time that your trust in me is worth Worth the risk, and that um, I do value you, and I'm not even against rebuilding that trust every conversation, but it is extra work, and I just want to point that out. So, another reason to just give your autistic friends the benefit of the doubt, please. uh, If they seem like they're processing slowly, if they seem like they're confused in the beginning of a conversation, if they seem like they don't know who you are, like maybe they don't know who you are, but probably they just need a couple more minutes to catch up. That really does happen. So.
0: No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Anyway, those are sort of the main ways that face blindness affects my everyday life. I would be really interested to know if uh, anyone listening, if you identify as somebody who's face blind, if you have other ways that it affects your everyday life, please let me know. I think that this is something that doesn't get talked about enough, and I really hope that this podcast will go a little ways in helping you think through it and educate yourself a little bit about it, because it is relatively common, as I said, among autistic and ADHD folks. Um, I think it's something like 1% to 2% of the population is uh, on some level face-blind, somewhere between mild and seriously face-blind. So that is a significant portion of autistic folks as well. Um, I also want to say most of the studies that have been done on face-blindness are tiny sample sizes. We're talking like 30 people. So when I was researching this, a lot of the studies that are out there, I, I'm so thrilled people are doing work on this, and I don't want to discourage anybody from doing research on this because we desperately need the research. But what's what exists so far in the way of research is um, of limited use. But I will say that it does seem like from the research that exists that face blindness has some genetic propensity and is in some way hereditary, at least partly. I will say that I am not sure, but I am relatively confident that my my autistic son is at least mildly face-blind as well. He does a lot of the things I do (laughs) to recognize people. Um, He often doesn't recognize me at first glance until he sees my hair or my clothes. I put my hair in a high ponytail last week when I usually wear it in a low ponytail, and he immediately noticed that my hair is different and wanted to know why it was different. He uses photographs. He uses voices. He uses gestures to recognize people. He uses makeup and jewelry. I don't think he's completely face blind by any means, but he's not focusing on faces the way I see non-face blind people do. He's not remembering faces the way I think that neurotypical people tend to his process for identifying people much more resembles my process for identifying people. So I want to mention this specifically, because if even if you are not face blind, even if none of this seems relevant to you, if you have a child who is ADHD or autistic, it's worth checking in with them, or trying to pay attention to how they're doing with faces. Because I think, Um, I've definitely encountered some parents who thought that their children were having social issues when actually it was that their child was not recognizing their friends and then struggling to catch up, which, you know, it is a social issue, but the root of it is not social anxiety or autistic autistic preference with sociability. It's rather that the child was having trouble recognizing their friends or figuring out how to recognize people when they were mildly face blind. So it's something worth paying attention to if you uh, have, have an autistic friend or an autistic loved one who seems to be struggling socially. Face blindness is definitely something to just check out. I just want to thank everybody for checking out this episode of NeuroDiverging today. And I want to remind you to please go to NeuroDiverging.com for the transcript for any links mentioned uh, in this episode, especially to the face blindness tests. And again, I just want to thank my patrons, Zach and David, for supporting NeuroDiverging today. We are all in this together. Please hang in there. I'll see you next time.